0: Welcome to Microphone Check, a podcast by and for Washington Nationals fans in the DMV area. So whether you are from DC, Maryland, or Virginia and love the Washington Nationals, this podcast is for you. A little bit about us. My name is L,
1: And my name is T.
0: We are diehard Washington Nationals fans. We have been supporting the team since they played their first game in D.C. in 2005. Yes, we were there when the Nats Park opened in 2008. We're season plan holders and we watch and go to Nationals games. Now, each week we will give you insight into what is going on at Nats Park, what the best food vendors in the stadium are, as well as when the Nats are having their giveaways and how you can get your hands on them. And this goes without saying, but we will also be covering everything Washington Nationals with detailed insight about the games and the players.
1: Oh, and as a bonus, each week we will bring a little public commentary into the podcast with who's not invited to the cookout segment. You won't want to miss that.
0: So Nats fans, lean back, buckle up. It's time for the Microphone Check DMV, a podcast podcast. For Washington Nationals fans. All right for today's episode we will be talking about what happened to opening day. We'll be talking about how our former Nats players are doing. We'll have a this week in sports segment as well as who's not invited to the cookout. Now about opening day as everyone knows by now there has been no opening day. Opening day was officially canceled. Taylor, you wanna sort of give a little insight on to what happened there?
1: Yeah, so um, as uh, most of you probably already heard, um, before the team left West Palm Beach, Florida, um, in, uh, down in spring training location, um, they did COVID testing, and uh, they found out that there were four players who had tested positive, um, you know, uh, we do not know who those four players are, um, and I believe there are five players that are in uh, COVID protocol. So, meaning there are five players that um, were in close contact with the four players that had tested positive, plus one staffer that is currently in quarantine right now. So, we're talking a total of nine players and one staffer um, that are currently quarantined. Obviously, our prayers go out to those players and that staffer that they're, um, healthy and well and get through this, uh, COVID period, um, you know, with no symptoms or anything like that. But it's unfortunate that again, this second year in a row, uh, that the team had to delay their opening, uh, series because of COVID concerns. But, um, I think, you know, um, obviously the virus is still going around. The virus is still yeah. active. Yeah. And, um, you know it's one of those things where you know we uh you know this is just a reminder to stay vigilant still wear your mask and, and still distance what do you what do you think about
0: yeah i mean basically uh what it ultimately means is not only did we miss our uh opening day at Nat's Park but we also it's now been confirmed that we won't have an opening series with the yeah. Mets Um, was really looking forward to having Scherzer take the mound. I was kind of looking forward to the new players that we had Mm -hmm. join the team. So I guess we just have to wait a little bit longer. Um, It's unclear now, like when they do ultimately take the field, Mm -hmm. uh, what the team will look like, because you have Mm -hmm. to presume that the nine players ultimately who are impacted by uh, this, this COVID quarantine uh, won't be available when we return when they return to the field, which, presumably, based on what Mike Rizzo shared in his press conference, would be likely Monday against the Braves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're looking uh, at a scenario where, yeah, we may get to take the field on Monday at home against the Braves, but uh, with not what we won't have our top players on the field.
1: Right. Right. And I I, I wonder. You know, obviously, um, you know, who the four players are. Um, are they, you know, players that would usually be on the bench? Are they starters? We don't know. Right. We don't know the five others that are in quarantine. We don't know. But I think the biggest thing is, um, is it okay or is it a situation where, and it's not. this is what it sounded like to me, was that um, from Mike Rizzo's press conference is that, uh, MLB may be pushing them to play on Monday um, no matter what and they are telling them that however many minor league players you need to bring up to field the team you need to do that so I wonder if it is pressure from MLB saying we need to play Monday or if it's the Nationals saying we need to play Monday how do you how do you what are you I thinking think, about
0: that? I think ultimately it is the MLB. I think mm-hmm. that what they're doing is they're saying a competitive imbalance. You don't want your opening series to be against a bunch of back. Right. Right. So already it's a competitive imbalance issue. You don't want the right. Mets to automatically start off with three wins because they're playing, you know, our Fredericksburg team, essentially. Right. right? When you talk right. about nine players, suppose seven of those players are actually starters. Right, and then there's no way. You know, there were some grumblings that, oh, from Mets fans, I listened to some of the, um, some of the uh, New York radio, and some Mets fans are saying, "Hey, well, the Nationals should have um, been just given three losses since they're canceling three games," uh, and and <laughs> that's why MLB decides that, right? They right, understand exactly. that. And that's probably why we're going to play on Monday regardless, right? Mm -hmm. Because because you then now have affected ultimately six games with this. And at least with skipping the first series, it gives the Nationals time to get get the team up here from Fredericksburg if we're going to Mm -hmm. need nine players and have enough to at least field a competitive game on Monday against the Braves. Those are my thoughts about that.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, we had talked about before uh, is Carter Keyboom. And I wonder, there was a talk of him not starting the season with the Nationals, with the Major League team. I wonder now if now he's going to start, <laughs> even That's- now with, with this. So,
0: Well, I would think that he would have to be one of the players that comes up, because yes. initially when they only thought that one player was affected by this, there there was talk that Luis Garcia would come up mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. play, right? Mm-hmm. So that tells you that's an infielder position. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Right, that, exactly. So it,
0: it, it tells me that an infielder position was impacted and mm-hmm. to the point that the first player that they decided to bring from minor league was Luis Garcia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So... Uh, And then you have, you know, Garcia. You know who his homeboys are on the team. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. that 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 flight back was crucial in the exposure to who has to be quarantined or not. I mean, so I we certainly we don't know for sure who the impacted players are, but Mm -hmm. when they take the field on monday hopefully against the braves we will get we'll know who's not there so we'll know who was impacted
1: in that right exactly exactly and again you know prayers out to those players and their families you know hopefully they get through um you know their their covid situation clean but i think here's another question i think we were talking about this yesterday is you know from a from a public health standpoint and um, as everybody who's probably listening to this knows, um, we're in the midst of a, a vaccine um, drive here in this country. Um, and, I, and as you probably have seen, um, there are now professional sports teams Great. that are having their whole team vaccinated. Great. And I wonder, you know, I, nobody in one question during that Mike Rizzo uh, press conference that I'm surprised none of the press asked this question is, is there now an imperative or is there being an effort by the nationals to have the team vaccinated? Right. I'm shocked. Nobody asked that question.
0: You know, I think that it should be driven by the league as well, because mm-hmm. I, I recall earlier, maybe two weeks ago Uh, seeing an article from the NBA saying that they were encouraging all of their teams to have their players vaccinated. Certainly they weren't going to mandate it, but they were Mm -hmm. encouraging it. MLB, you're starting your season, you know, right away. Do the same thing. It sends a message. I mean, I've I've gotten my first COVID vaccine, um, and I think you have too. Yep, yep, I have. If you and I can get it, I mean, why can't the players get it?
1: yeah and the the thing is is that the work and again you know we're talking about guys that are peak physical condition, probably most of these guys don't have pre-existing conditions, but we're at the point in the country now where they're in they're allowing
0: a mass healthy drive.
1: people right they're allowing people eighteen and older with no preexisting conditions that are healthy to get vaccinated. Another thing is that the work environment which these players work in is actually conducive for the spread of COVID. They're in in enclosed areas in the locker room close together. They're in the dugouts uh, close together, breathing on each other. So I don't understand why there hasn't been a more concerted effort by the Nationals or by MLB teams, because I haven't heard or seen other MLB teams saying we're vaccinating our players, right? I don't understand why that's not occurring right now.
0: Yeah, I think perhaps the fact that, you know, they took COVID tests all spring training and mm-hmm. everyone came back negative. There may have been uh, not carelessness, but a sort of casual approach to it all, being mm-hmm. happy that, you know, finally we can go um, up north, as they keep calling it, um, for opening day and get mm-hmm. ready to start. And perhaps, uh, you know, they haven't said where the COVID um, came from, per se, right. but- but perhaps there was a a, a laxness about it all, and as as we know, this particular um, virus is not something that you can ever sort of take lightly.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, uh, you know, with that, um, you know, how how I guess the next segment we can go to is how some former Nats are doing, uh, right now. With obviously, you know, we've had what two days since opening day. So um, I wonder how some of these former Nats are doing out there.
0: Yeah, well, I was really, really happy and excited to hear that, A, Michael A. Taylor gets an opportunity Mm -hmm. to start with the Kansas City Royals. So happy for him. Uh, Absolutely. You know, he's always been a stand-up guy, a great player, a true national player and for him to get an opportunity to start at the Kansas city Royals, I'll always root for him and wouldn't, you know it. And on opening day, Mm -hmm. our man went three for five, had a home run, three RBIs and two crucial outfield assists with the game on the line. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was just awesome.
1: Yes. Um, Yes, absolutely. And and again, shout out to Michael A. Taylor, um, big fan of yours. Um, sometimes it takes a change of scenery to, yeah. to, to really, you know, not only bring your game to full fruition, but, you know, to give you that confidence, I know it was tough on Michael, a, um, to kind of be in the rotation, not really being consistently in, you know, a starter now having a team that believes, you know, you can be a starter and be consistent. This is the product of that, you
0: know, Yeah, so. for sure. And I'm just excited to see him doing well. And uh, best of luck to him. Absolutely. And then, as Drubal Cabrera, I mean, we didn't have mm-hmm. him long, but um, he was a big contributor to mm-hmm. our team. Now he's with the Diamondbacks, and he had a big sort of game the opening series opening game as well. He went two for five. He also had a home run
1: and three <laughs> RBIs.
0: I'm like, man, where's that bat last year? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and it seems you know, I think it's Struble was was with. The Nationals, two times, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think two one separate time, times. Yes, two separate times, I believe. Um, the first time was around, again, I'm just going off the top of my head, around 2016, 2017, he came in around the, the trade um, deadline, and then he resigned. signed um, I believe, back in 2018. So he's been with the Nationals two times. Um, but again, you know, we always – uh, congratulate and celebrate former Nats that are doing well. So shout out to Struble Cabrera for doing well with the net for, for the Diamondbacks, excuse me. Right.
0: And then last but not least, you know, our fan favorite, um, yes. Sean Doolittle. He's now with the Cincinnati Reds. I'll I guess have to root for the Reds whenever they're not playing the Nationals. <laughs> he got an inning of pitching. He allowed no runs, and he got those two strikeouts, like one, two, um, mm-hmm. To to end the inning, so Sean Doolittle is doing well. It's good to see that um, he's pitching well. Looks like he's healthy. I think you know, the only reason that we didn't resign him is because I think the Nationals understood that he had some health issues and they were unwilling to sign him at mm-hmm. at the rate that him and his agent felt like he deserved. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't I don't um, begrudge him for getting paid because
1: he was a free agent mm-hmm. um, and certainly wish him well. Absolutely. And I, I wonder, um, I'm not sure what injuries he was dealing with last year. Was it a, um, I feel like it was a lower body injury of some sort that was affecting him last year. That's kind of why he was in and Well, he opted out um, last year, but the year before that he was dealing with some issues too, um, yeah. with the lower body issues. So, But again, you know, the things that Sean Little does um, when he's healthy, not only on the field, but, you know, a person off the field who does the right thing, you know, is is not shy about, you know, speaking up for the right thing. Um, And he's a UVA grad, you know, anybody from a a Virginia school, you know, I'm always going to celebrate at the highest level. So um, definitely love that Sean Doolittle is doing well. Um, is you know did well in his first appearance with the Reds so for sure for sure
0: all right so I guess that that leads us to you know what what's the what's the upcoming series gonna look like Uh, you know we mentioned that this series against the New York Mets have have been postponed we don't have any information right now about how they're going to do it I get the sense that They'll have a couple of doubleheader seven inning games um, the next time they play the Mets. Since we play them so often, uh, the fact that they are in our division, I guess, makes it a little easier mm-hmm. um, to make up. And they're not that uh, they're not that far away. I mean, they're not as close as the uh, Phillies, but certainly they'll have an opportunity to um, make up those particular games. Again, we have a 162-game season, so it's uh, likely that we'll, we'll make up these three games before, before too long.
1: Right, exactly. And uh, again, you know, it's kind of hard to, to kind of predict who we are playing. They, again, they are saying that we are playing on Monday against the Braves, but we don't know about, if they continue testing, what does that look like? I do know, again, during Rizzo's um, press conference, um, they said that today uh, was going to be a critical day for determining what happens on Monday through the test results. So, um, again, a lot of this is up in the air due to, um, you know, the positive tests that have happened and all that stuff. But uh, it'll be interesting to see – you know, who is playing for the Nationals, who's out. Um, this might be a preview of, you know, some of the call-ups that they make late in the season in that, you know, July-August time frame, right before the playoffs, who they think are the people that they want to put on that playoff roster. So I would say the Nats fans, you know, hey, it may be a situation where there's a lot of players on the field that we don't know who they are or we haven't seen but that might be a preview of who may be future nationals coming up here during the playoff run. So,
0: yeah, no, that's a very good point. That's a good point. And so when we do start, again, hopefully uh, we'll play on Monday. The next our next series opponent would be against the Atlanta Braves. Those mm-hmm. are that is a home series and mm-hmm. the if we uh, the Monday game on um, on April the 5th is at 5 p.m. The Tuesday game against the Braves is at 4.05 p.m. And, again, the Wednesday game is at 4 or five p.m. So we have some 4 o'clock games here, which normally, uh, if you're in the DMV area, you know about traffic and, and things of that nature. 4.05 games can be quite interesting as people yes. are <laughs> getting <laughs> off work around that time and things of that nature. However, um, because of the fact that only 5,000 fans are going to be in the stadium, And the fact that most people are teleworking right now, it may not be an issue as Mm -hmm. it it might otherwise be. But, you know, I kind of like a four o'clock game because that means I can get down to the park, get there an hour or two early, have my, Mm -hmm. you know, concessions, food, (laughs) and give myself Mm -hmm. a nice little brew. And then by seven, eight o'clock, I'm home.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
0: For, a, for a 7 o'clock game, you know, you're not getting into bed till 11, 12 o'clock.
1: Right. <laughs> now, it's unfortunate, so you know, uh, that I don't live closer to there anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where um, I do wonder what traffic is going to be like around there when you only have 5,000 fans that are coming. Well. Um, no, go ahead, La.
0: Yeah, well, one thing we're going to do is each week we're going to have a segment on what's going on at Nats Park. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to call it Live from Nats Park. And mm-hmm. definitely I'm going to give, you know, live footage or live audio, if you will, from what's going on down there. So I'll, I'll give you I'll let you know for sure um, on Monday if there's a game, how traffic is looking around there so that we can give the fans insight of what it looks like around Nats Park.
1: Yep. Good. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Now I do know that um there was some talk I saw in the Washington Post um that there's already talk of later in the season, here maybe coming up next month, there could be an increase in the amount of fans that could come. Um I don't know if you saw that in the Washington Post, but the nationals are already talking to the mayor's office about, you know, what those plans look like. So you never know by the time we get to, you know, um July, um, we could be at fifty percent capacity, allowing even more fans to come. So, um, you know, we're just keeping our fingers crossed that we can keep this COVID situation under control, that people do go and um try to get their their vaccines, um, so that we can, you know, return to some normalcy. Yeah. Um for sure. and, and and try to, you know, uh have that strong, you know, home uh that home environment here soon. So for sure.
0: You know, had we had had the Nats not had this particular outbreak of COVID, I would have sort of anticipated that we would have at least. I, I thought that the mayor was leaning toward even in May increasing the mm-hmm. attendance at Nats Park. You know, I, my thought is that since, again, in D.C., everyone is eligible for a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting May first, like you're eighteen years old or older, you can get a vaccine, so my thoughts are they're they're going to allow it, and my understanding is they're mm-hmm. giving Johnson and Johnson's too, so it's not just right. the Pfizer and Moderna. so uh, right. Right. however, again, we we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens, but nonetheless, uh, it's a hundred and sixty two day season. come on, people we can We can hold off a month or two more. Right. Uh, but until then. You got this podcast to give you insight <laughs> about what's going on at Nats Park.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, I think you know, um, most fans kind of already know where they can listen to, um, and you know, watch the games. Obviously, Masson, um, and we talked about earlier, kind of about the situation with Masson and how, uh, you know, the spring training. Uh, games were not even broadcast by Madison and all that stuff. So, um, obviously, while fans are sitting at home um, and they can't go to games, you know, obviously Madison is is the place where you will watch the games. And then if you're local, uh, I believe 950 is where people will watch, listen to it on the radio.
0: So in the D.C. area, you're listening to it on 106.7, uh, the Fan. That's the broadcast right. for the Washington DC area. And then Masson and Masson Two, of course, on TV. Uh, but in that Lower Virginia area, where are you guys listen to it down
1: there? Uh I I 950? from 950, I believe. Um, I think it's oh, the ESPN radio, um uh ESPN radio station down here is the one that usually broadcasts the Nats games. But uh it seems like every other year they switch up who has it, who has yeah. the rights to do it. Um, also, they this is the funny thing too. When the flying squirrels, yes, the name of our minor league team down here is the flying squirrels, for people who do not know.
0: Down there in Richmond, uh, right, Taylor?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Down in Richmond, we have the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Um uh, the Flying Squirrels baseball game actually supersedes on the radio supersedes Nationals games. So whenever both teams are playing at the same time, in Richmond, you cannot hear them, hear the Nationals game, you will hear the Flying Squirrels game, so.
0: How how ridiculous is that, really? (laughs) (laughs) What a joke.
1: I mean, hey, you know, we gotta have, some people are diehard Flying Squirrels fans. So (laughs) I guess they complain to the radio station y'all should be playing the local team versus the team up north. So, no, but the broadcast up here goes
0: really far. I mean, it goes to Winchester, Mm -hmm. it goes to Richmond. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll check out the, the, the the broad span and let everybody know when our next broadcast, I think that'd be helpful.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll do. We'll do.
0: So have you been watching these local sports lately?
1: Uh, yeah, for the NCAA tournament, for sure. Um, I mean, they're you know the it's the local teams, time. yeah, it's final four time um if, if people do not know, uh at the time of this broadcast, we are at the final four uh, for both men's and women's. I believe last night, actually the women um had their semifinals um last night, but we'll get to that later on in in this segment, but um at this point for the men, um it is gonzaga, uh Houston. Baylor and the shocker is UCLA um, right now uh, in the final four. So, but, you know, we can transition. Obviously there are no local teams that made the final four this year. Uh, actually this year was kind of disappointing for the local teams um, in the actual NCAA tournament. Um, I believe only one local team, correct me if I'm wrong, um, made it out of the first round.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um
1: Ma- I mean, Maryland was the only team that made it out of the first round. So,
0: I mean, and that was that was barely, and then they got blown out of the second round. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Georgetown had an excellent run, uh, mm-hmm. winning the Big East tournament. There was a lot of momentum, but behind how they were playing, um, but they got sort of rocked in that first round of yep. the, the the NCAA tournament. But still, hats off to Georgetown for an amazing Absolutely. season. And Absolutely. I think um just the exposure of winning that biggest tournament definitely will help with the recruiting. I, I look forward to how they'll they'll look last next year.
1: Absolutely. And unfortunately, uh their big man uh Wahab um actually is in the transfer portal. He's trying to transfer. But um, you know, um oh, other no. than that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that was shocking to me what? um that he would he would try to transfer now. Um, but this is you know kind of that season for um transfers um you know, um you know that that you know it's unfortunate that he wants to transfer and all that, but that just opens the opportunity for somebody else to come in,
0: yeah, you know, Georgetown, I thought they're trying to be known again as big man, you, you know, yeah, they're trying yeah. to recruit all the big man, they're trying to make yeah. it you know hot to be a big man again, so i'm um, I'm hoping all of them them talented big men that can also bring the ball up the court and shoot some three-pointers, but still (laughs) like to bang down in the post, you know, those types of players we need at Georgetown.
1: Yeah. And you never know with, with transfers, there could be somebody that is waiting in the wings that wanted, wants to transfer to Georgetown. And that might've felt like, you know, Hey, you know, we love you. You know what I'm saying? But maybe there's another situation that, to help you out and we got this person coming in so you never know in the background what happens with that usually with transfers like that that kind of come up out of nowhere there's somebody waiting that's coming in to take that spot so you never know you never well, know with them.
0: you know players do it all the time i mean players do it but hey coaches leave all the time too right
1: yep exactly. and, and
0: so and then the players are stuck with staying with the team after their coach leaves mm-hmm. um I think something similar happened recently over at Texas.
1: yep, Yep. yep. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, first of all, you know, um, I am a a VCU alum. Um, we did have an unfortunate situation that happened this year during the tournament where we could not play due to positive tests. Um, that's a whole nother story. That could be a whole separate podcast episode. One of these days I'll tell, kind of how I heard the whole story happen, But, um, yeah, Shaka Smart um, left Texas, um, is now with Marquette. Um, Actually, there was some rumblings that uh, Texas was looking at. Actually, um, Texas Tech's coach, uh, Coach Beard, um, to replace Shaka Smart. They were actually thinking about firing him. But, you know, we always celebrate a black man leaning on his feet um, he certainly did land on his feet by going to Marquette. And we definitely applaud Shaka Smart, um, you know, and, and wish him luck at Marquette. Um, that is still, Marquette is still a big marquee job, you sure. know, in a big marquee conference in the Big East. Um, so, you know, again, shout out to Shaka, Shaka Smart. And as a VCU alum, you know, Shaka, if it doesn't work out at Marquette, you always have a home, back right. in, back in Richmond. And for you those know. that don't
0: know, Shaka Smart was a former coach at BCU. Yep. He pretty much built up the basketball program, got you yep. guys a new stadium out there. Yep. Uh, yep. So I mean, yep. gosh, I remember that Final Four run where that defense was smothering.
1: Smothering, and it, the thing is, is that you know after that fact or after that run, you started seeing more and more teams start to do kind of that full court defense all the time because they see the effectiveness of it. Not only is it effective at creating turnovers, but it's effective at tiring out your opponent. So by the time you get to the end of the game, your opponent is is worn out. They can't really do anything. So yeah, but you gotta be in shape to run that defense. Oh, oh for sure. <laughs> for sure. The fact sure. that he got
0: the fact that he got players to buy into that system is a testament Mm -hmm. to what type of coach he is. Absolutely. Um, My sense though, that at, at Texas, he had, he was unable to run that type to really run and recruit players the way that he really um, Mm would have liked to have done there. So best of luck Mm to
1: him um, at Marquette. Absolutely. 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 But uh, let's, let's talk about the women's tournament. I'll tell you, um I did catch some of the games Ooh, last night
0: I caught Man,
1: every
0: I caught every minute of the, those games last, um last night I mean that it first it started with the South Carolina versus Stanford mm-hmm. game
1: mm-hmm. I mm-hmm.
0: mean that right there that was it, first of all I'm always going to root for uh for 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 our coach um at South Carolina
1: Yeah Don Staley Don, Don Staley shout out
0: Shout out former UVA player. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, She has really built that program since 2008, and I tell you, she has. She this year's players were so young, and for them to make it Mm -hmm. so far, um, they played their heart out. Stanford, they had. They also had a very good team. You know, they got impacted greatly because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, one or two of their players had to quarantine or early in the, the season and they were on, in the road quite quite a bit at times. So, mm-hmm. um, South Carolina and their big girl, Aaliyah Boston, she really played well. Um, heartbreaking uh, loss. They lost by one point at the buzzer. But let me mm-hmm. tell y'all, if y'all are not watching women's basketball right now, you are missing out. Missing out. Both of the games last night were short, were a treat. I mean, you talk about fundamentals of basketball, exciting up and down uh, the court, the young lady, uh, Ari McDonald from Arizona, that girl, if you mean. haven't seen, she got a crossover. I mean, she mean. did the crossover. At the mean. Mean, mean, mean. <laughs> I mean, she took me back on that one. <laughs> um, you know, everybody was talking about, um, you know, Paige Beckers, and she's a phenomenal freshman player at mm-hmm. Connecticut. But I tell you, McDonald must have been hearing those, uh, you know, press releases. And think mm-hmm. she,
1: because let me tell you, she took old girl to school. Oh, yes. And the thing is, is that I believe the um, right before the game, Paige Beckers was, was announced as the AP player of the year. Oh, okay, the, so. McDonald probably heard, oh, all right. She, probably, she said, oh, all right. And I don't know if you saw this, too. During the um, promotional videos for the NCAA, when they were promoting the Final Four, they showed no footage of Arizona.
0: I'm so surprised by that.
1: I mean, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's,
1: that's not right. So what I, what I was reading this morning after the game was that that's what the girls were talking about in the locker room before the game. It's like, oh, all right, so this is how y'all want to treat us? All right, bet. So then they went out there and beat probably the team that the NCAA wanted to see in the final.
0: Because, I
1: mean, let's keep it real. UConn for the women is kind of like Duke for the men. Absolutely. You know, they kind of, the NCAA wants to kind of see them succeed, but, you know. You know how it is. I mean,
0: and they get literally, UConn gets the best players in the country. Mm-hmm. You see no, when you, if you look in the WNBA, most, uh, many of them came from UConn. I mean, yep. they literally get some of the best players. And again, Beckers is, she is, she is going to be in the WNBA one day. She Absolutely. is a baller. Uh, Absolutely. And so that's why you give give so much credit. To Adia Barnes, the coach of Arizona, mm-hmm. she coached that game. She out coached absolutely, actually, uh, Ariyama last night. I mean, absolutely. she she had those girls playing defense. I mean, Taylor, though that defense they were switching. They were playing man to man. They were switching off. They were they were up in their face. They did not give Becker's daylight mm-hmm. at all. So mm-hmm. and they played for four quarters. I mean, that was such an exciting game. I mean, even. They were up by fourteen, fifteen points at one point part, mm-hmm. during that game last night, and then you know UConn because they're such a good program, they literally made their run, but Arizona, Arizona with withheld that 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 run that Connecticut took, and it was an exciting game. Really excited for Barnes to be to take that program at the University of Arizona to their first uh, national. Uh, national, um, NCAA game Mm -hmm. final and, uh, to have a black coach representing, um, that program Mm -hmm. makes us all proud.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, real quick, obviously this was something that was, you know, a big viral sensation for about two days before the final four, um, the call, that's what I'll call it. The call, uh, UConn versus Baylor in the, the lead Eight. Oh, I'm yes. I'm sure all of y'all have seen the video. I'll give you the floor, Lala. Was it a foul or not?
0: Taylor, that was a foul. Uh, yes, to answer your question, yes, it was a foul. You can look at it from every single a- a- area. She wasn't fouled once. She was fouled twice. Uh, Literally, she... She, she was unable to even go all the way through with her shot because the, mm-hmm. the, the, the girl's arms were outstretched in front of her. If they were not mm-hmm. straight up, that should have been called. That Absolutely. should have been
1: called. No Absolutely. doubt. Absolutely. I watched it two times. First time I saw an immediate reaction was, oh, that's a foul. Yes,
0: yeah, she's I going to a Let's go. Right. Two free throws. Let's go. Right.
1: Then I saw from the reverse angle from the baseline where she was coming down to the baseline. The girls' arms are literally stretched out almost at, like, a 45-degree angle. That's a foul in men's, women's, youth basketball, everywhere. Right. And it was not called. Again, I'm not saying that the NCAA helps UConn, but they may help UConn in some situations like this.
0: I'm just saying. I can't say this. Literally, that whole whole game – they were holding the whistle, the the, the referees. I mean, they were, they were pounding. I mean, first of all, that probably could have been a finals game. That was such a Mm -hmm. good game. I, I I don't know how they allowed Connecticut could come back and win that game, but that was such a good game. Um, Bailey should have won the game. But again, um, you know, that non-call definitely
1: impacted the game. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, I think, you know, the next thing we want to say is shout out to, to Brenda Freeze. Uh she was named uh coach of uh Maryland's women's basketball team was named uh coach of the year. Um I Brenda Freeze has been at Maryland a long, long time. I think 15 years now. She's been at, at Maryland.
0: Yeah, she has. It's been over 15 years. It's
1: yeah. And I think this is her not this isn't her first. Coach of the Year Award, is it? No, she's like, won. Yeah, I feel like she's won it multiple times before, but, you know, again, um, shout out to Brenda Freeze. I do have a Brenda Freeze story that I would like to share quickly, actually. Please, please do. Um, if y'all don't know or don't remember, uh, Chrissy Tolliver, who used to play for University of Maryland, uh, made the game-winning shot in the 2006 I believe uh, final for uh, Maryland actually went to my high school um, and we actually grew up together. Um, and actually uh, when she was being recruited during her junior year uh, during the spring. Uh, so around the March time timeframe uh, the schools would actually come to Harrisburg high school um, and meet with her and all that stuff during that time. They also would like to see her play as well on the court obviously because Christy Tolliver is better than all of the women probably in the area of the Shenandoah Valley, they recruited players from the JV and varsity high school team at Harrisburg to come out. The men's team to come out and do basically an open gym showcase for these coaches. One of the coaches that came through the door was Brenda Freeze. Obviously, when you know at the start of any open gym, you start picking teams. When this happened, when Brenda Freeze was there, of course, I get on the opposite team of Christy. I'm like, okay, cool, fine. Next thing I know, my cousin Courtney says, Taylor, you got Christy. <laughs> oh, I'm looking no. at him like, what? <laughs> so Brenda Freeze is in the building seeing me getting cooked up by <laughs> Christy
0: <laughs> that's a good story.
1: <laughs> so, shout out to Brenda Freeze. I mean, you saw the full potential of Christy Tyler for that day. Yes, sir. Because I mean, I think she probably dropped at least thirty in the open gym. That's almost impossible, but she did. So, yeah. shout out to Brenda Freeze. Shout out to the Christy Tyler.
0: Yeah, that's a good story. Thanks, Ted. <laughs>
1: Uh so I think the next thing um and you have mentioned that there are two black coaches in the in the women's final four we are always for um that that um you know celebrating that um but I think the next thing we want to talk about is kind of something that came up um during the men's tournament and I don't know, I don't know if you saw the players that said not NCAA's property yep. you saw the players with those shirts but it goes to the wider question of you know uh, players being able to to make money off of their name their image and their likeness um and it's is it's, i think you know both of us can agree it's deeper than that it, it's more of you know how mu- how much uh rights do players have to basically make money for you know their families um as as many of you know a lot of nCA players that are in the money the money making um, sports college football um men's college basketball Are black men, Um, and sometimes they come from disadvantaged um, situations. And it seems funny to me that, um, you know, the NCA for so long has tried to suppress the ability of players to make money off of the thing that they were born with. Well, tell you, you know, the image of lightness. Go ahead, love.
0: Well, here's the thing. I think that we might see some movement now because finally, the Supreme Court is. Finally, hearing the question of, about the validity of mm-hmm. amateurism as part of the NCAA's current business model, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the reason why I think that we might see some traction here, and clearly the the the, the uh, Supreme Court is acknowledging concerns about uh, uh, about the business model, but at the mm-hmm. same time, um, you know being receptive to hearing about the influence about the american tradition but the reason why i say that we may see some traction on this front is because now you have players who are not not necessarily the basketball and the football players but you have other athletes who are now able to make money through tiktok yep, now you're seeing yep, the yep. the tennis players the swimmers mm-hmm. the, all these other players who are now Listen, if you are, what is it, are they, um, Generation Z, whatever. Mm -hmm. Anyway, if you're under 18 years old, you have grown up on TikTok and all of that. Mm -hmm. But there is money behind having followers and things of that nature.
1: Absolutely. And so now
0: you're seeing these players question why, as a NCAA student-athlete, can't they make money off of something that they are producing? So I think right. it's excellent that this is going to be discussed, that, that the Supreme Court is hearing this question now. Because now you can't just say, oh, it's the business model of the NCAA. Well, honestly, in my opinion, that business model looks awful familiar. It looks Absolutely. familiar about how many of our ancestors built this country Absolutely. That did not, and did not get paid, but they were given a place to live and food mm-hmm. to eat. Mm-hmm. That, I'm sorry, but yes. you're not going to convince me of the argument of the NCAA. So Fully agree. System, um, there are a lot of smart people. You can create a system. I mean, put the millions of dollars in the Supreme Court. They asked some good questions to Uh, the NCAA, they asked, you know, this is supposed to be amateurism, but yet you're having Mm -hmm. coaches making millions of dollars,
1: Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm.
0: you have, NCAA, you have to find a way that if this is your business model, then how can it trickle back to the players who are helping you make that money and their family? So I'm excited. I'm excited about that the conversation is for the Supreme Court. For all of y'all that don't know, you can always go to the Supreme Court website to hear the oral arguments uh, related to this and other cases.
1: Yes, absolutely. And um, out of that, actually, um, one thing that I don't, I don't, um, I think you, you probably saw this um, actually Isaiah livers and two other players, um, NCAA players, Isaiah liver plays for university of Michigan um, actually met with the president um, uh, of the NCAA and asked for a waiver for the 2021-2022 the season um, that will allow players, while the Supreme Court is deciding uh, on the question of name, image, and likeness, having a waiver to allow players to immediately start being compensated for the name, image, and likeness. I want to shout out those three young gentlemen yes. for having the ability and the nerve to go and speak directly to power right. and say, this is what needs to happen. Absolutely. And I shout out those young men and especially Isaiah Livers, because it's ironic. Now just think about this is that Isaiah Livers is coached by um, Jawan Howard. And I don't know if you remember this Lala, but I believe it was the second run that they had to the end, to the um, final four. During the final four, they came out and they wore just black shirts with no Nike logo, nothing on it, in protest of them not being able to be paid for the name, image, and likeness all the way back in 1991. They did that. Yeah. So it's almost coming back full circle that you have a player from Michigan coached by Jawan Howard. Now comes full circle, and now he's fighting the same fight that he fought. So, yeah, I, th-
0: I think it's quite interesting that one of the biggest arguments of the NCAA is that they claim that the unpaid status of college athletes is a key part of the appeal to the consumers.
1: <laughs>
0: Get the, like, what kind of argument is that?
1: that nobody show, cares. Like, nobody. nobody cares. the
0: consumers, the consumers uh, won't this. watch if the players are paid? Are you kidding me?
1: No. Man. They don't. The, the consumer wants to see good quality play. That's what they want to see. They don't care if a kid is getting paid off of him selling T-shirts or him selling his name and his image on Instagram. They don't care. Right Now, if there are consumers that care about that, then I have more questions about that consumer than I do the system or the new system that will be there. If it's, you a are somebody,
0: it's a wink and nod. It's a
1: wink and to the old. Yes, boy. yes, that's yes, all it is. yes. It is a wink and a nod to the old boy network. That if you feel like you need to oppress young people to keep them down, not getting money, and the majority of those people are black. Come on now, that that's a wink and a nod right there in the But I mean,
0: the fact that he would they he would even that the CAA would even say that. I mean, regardless of the color of the of the athlete. You're not you're not you're not first of all, you're not making that argument if you're talking about a bunch of tennis players or baseball players. Exactly. You you can talk about the MLB. Okay, we're we're not gonna go there, but we can talk about at at some point during this podcast, we're gonna talk about the unfairness of the minor league system. But I guess
1: this is not the place for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and one last thing on this topic, I just, you know, again, I like to throw in some interesting facts. Do you know how actually this lawsuit came about. Do you know the story about how actually kind of the question of name, image, and likeness in this current form actually got to the Supreme Court? Go ahead. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> oh no, go ahead. Go ahead, Lala.
0: No, because you said you were going to leave with one one last fact. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. So, the way that this actually came to question was actually through a video game. If, if that if that probably sounds crazy. So um, EA Sports, who is a conglomerate, huge conglomerate of sports video games, uh, was sued by Ed O'Bannon, who was once a UCLA um, basketball player. Um, He actually sued EA um, because he was not being paid for his image um, being used in the game. That actually, um, that actual court decision uh, well, EA lost the court decision. They kept um, actually uh, appealing it.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: then that lawsuit actually got wrapped into this current lawsuit that's with the NCAA or that's at the Supreme Court. Um, And now we're at the Supreme Court making this decision. So it's crazy how just a video game sparked this. Well, it's
0: not, but it's not just a video game. It's the different ways that they're making yes. money off yes. of- athletes so so it's not they're not going to just make money off of they're making money every type of way you can
1: off of these athletes
0: and it's not right and
1: i wonder what now the thought is because i think in lala i'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure you feel this way i think the supreme court is going to say uh ncaa players need to be compensated for the name image and likeness or allow them to be uh make money for the name image and likeness i believe That's probably where this is going to go. Um, Now, the question is, what do you do about these TV deals, the billion-dollar TV deals that make these conferences and make the NCAA a boatload of money? What do you do about that?
0: I mean, it's the same thing as how they do it with the NBA and the uh, the NFL. It's going to be an agreement. You're going to have a situation where – if you become a college athlete, you get into some type of union, union. of some sorts and you'll have someone who to represent your rights. If they that's a start right there. So yes. I'm excited to look, you know, what that might look look like going forward.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh yeah, should we talk about the NBA next? Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. So I mean, we talk about Russ. And so we,
0: we talk, talk about, about local, we, we talk
1: about local sports here. We're yep, gonna start yep. with the Wizards. Go ahead. Yep. Let's start with the Wizards and woof. I don't know if you saw Russell Wilson, I believe uh Russell Westbrook, excuse me, had 35-14 and 21 assists against the Pacers on March the 29th. That is actually a NBA record. There has never been a person that has had 21 plus assists with 30 points and 10-plus rebounds. Wow. Um, And actually, he was...
0: Think about that for a minute. That is amazing. Amazing. That's an amazing feat for sure.
1: Absolutely. And uh, actually, Russ was the third player to do 30-plus points, 10 rebounds, and 20 assists. Now, here's a little trivia. Do you know, Lala, who... The last Wizards player to have a type of game, a triple double like this? Uh,
0: was it a former R- Wizard player?
1: It might be a former Bullet player, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rod, Rod Hot Rod, Rod Strickland. <laughs> 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 I remember when I was a kid, I used to try to play like Hot Rod. Hot Rod actually had 21, 12, and 20 assists on February the 10th, 1998. So it has been done before. Well, close to being done before by the Wizards, but having a 35 14 twenty-one game is just
0: Yeah, my unreal. hat's off to him. Cause Rod Strickland uh, was a true point guard in Absolutely. That. His thing was to to assist first, right? And mm-hmm.
1: then
0: as the NBA has evolved, you have more scoring types of guards like and, and slashers like like Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I mean, you have to literally applaud this man. And I'm I'm surprised and, well, surprised and not surprised of the response of Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> because well, I mean, there's know. a time and a place for everything. Yes. Stephen yes. A. Smith, I know his brand is to be a loud mouth and... Mm-hmm. You know, make sure everybody watches him when something big happens. But can you wait a day and let the man have his glory before exactly. you talk him about being on a bad team? I mean exactly. as sometimes I'm just like, man, just, golly, man.
1: Just take a break. So exactly. Exactly. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh Russell Westbrook's wife is a real one.
0: <laughs> yes, she did is. you see
1: her response?
0: Yeah, she did. Yes, I did. But remind
1: her she a real one. I, I think she she I mean listen she tore down Stephen A. Smith in the most respectful way you possibly can. Oh no. she
0: did Mm-mm. like it, that she did it the way the old your your old aunties or grandmas mm-hmm. would do it. She would tell yourself off to the point you feel like really, really small. She don't curse, <laughs> but she you you know you've been read. You've been read before <laughs> oh,
1: she it's red. always it's one of those where they say God bless at the end, you know. <laughs> right, right,
0: God bless you, baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> Get on out of here with that mess.
1: But you know, again, you know, even with all that Stephen A. Smith said, you know, congratulations to, to Russell Westbrook. The Wizards are struggling. You know, Absolutely. I think they're in the 10th seed still. But you know, it takes these type of efforts for the Wizards to even win. Yes. So that's the thing, you know, kind of is unfortunate, but you know, we celebrate Russell for, for making history. And, uh, Russ, you don't need to hear that noise, man. You know how it is,
0: man. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. you know, uh, I think in that game, Bradley Beal, did, did he get hurt that game or was he out he that did.
1: Game? He did. He did. get hurt. I believe he's dealing with some back spasms or, or something yeah. in that nature. It's not anything serious. But, again, when you get to this point in the season, I think they have about a month left. Okay. Um, And I, they're, they're about three games back from now you got this play-in situation.
0: they trying so to get to the play-in.
1: They're trying to get to the play-in. So you're three games back of the play-in. I mean, <laughs> goodness gracious. Like, I, I don't know if – I don't know, you know, in, in going a little bit into the Wizards situation, I'm not sure what they're doing from a uh, franchise-building standpoint. You know, just getting into the play-in is not something to celebrate. I mean, yeah, you get a chance to go to the the playoffs, but um, okay, you you get into play and you lose first game, now you're out. What what does that mean? Right. You know, um, you, why are you not in? Again, I don't like tanking, but in the NBA, in order to get good, sometimes you have to tank. right to get better draft picks. So uh, Sixers. <laughs> Sixers, exactly. Look at where the Sixers are. They're the best team in the East now. Well, right. close to the best team in the East now. Right. They did it by tanking. Right. So I don't understand why the Wizards are playing this game of, oh, we're going to trade some young players to get some more young players back just to stay above water. Like, lose so that you can go get some of this good young talent that's coming out of college and build the team up. For sure. So, you know, I don't know. You know, we we have a whole situation where we need to basically clean most of the front office out anyway.
0: Yeah. We need to get
1: rid of the coach. Yeah. I mean, I like Tommy Shepard, but he probably needs somebody above him so yeah. that they can, you know. So it's a whole situation with Wizards, but what's new with them? This is almost every year now. So yeah,
0: I can't wait until one day on this podcast, even though this is a Nats podcast, we'll talk about. Uh, The Wizards, you know, having a good team. Uh, (laughs) Obviously, we're going to have to have this podcast for a very long time for that. A very
1: long time. (laughs) But but I'm encouraged. Yes, me too. So uh, who you got in the NBA, actually? Um, Again, we're we're about a month away from the start of the playoffs, as crazy as that sounds. Um, So who, who you have?
0: I mean, Taylor, I'll be honest with you. I have gone back and forth about who I think will be in the finals versus who will win for the last several weeks. Like two or three weeks ago, I was riding hard with the Brooklyn
1: Knicks.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, and then they picked up, what, LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin?
1: Mm.
0: I was like, wait, wait, hold up now. Wait." (laughs) Wait. Wait, hold on. But then I realized that they need they need them because of all the injuries
1: that's
0: going on with the with the Nets right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Milwaukee's playing well. Um, did they pick up someone during the draft period?
1: I don't think so. I don't I don't think so.
0: They seem to be. They still seem to be playing well. Um, mm-hmm. But you can never count the Lakers out because I tell Absolutely. you what, LeBron James saying you're gonna have to come through me no matter what. Um, but I, I fear that the injuries that that team is taking, um, yeah. they may not be able to overcome it. Now, Andre Drummond <laughs> uh, <laughs> going to the team, um, that certainly should help. But I, I'm hoping that LeBron can get um, healthy soon.
1: Yes. And actually, I, actually, Andre just got hurt um, the first game he was out there with the Lakers. Oh, man. Hurt, his, hurt his toe. I know. So, I, mean, I know LeBron, like, come on, man. I know. <laughs> I think for me, honestly, um, I agree with you. The Nets, if they can stay healthy, are my favorite. Philly is looking good, though. Yeah, the Sixers for sure. They, 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 they're gonna have something to say about the East, absolutely. But I think if you know Kyrie can stay healthy, if KD can come back healthy, um, and I think. Uh, James Harden got a little injury here recently too but if they get those three stay healthy and Aldridge and Blake just don't turn old all of a sudden right I think they can I think they're going to be the chance See, this year
0: I can't quite ever tell whether when Kyrie takes breaks whether he's hurt whether something's really going on or whether he just needs you know mental health day, which yeah. which is fine which is which is okay right, uh, he's, right. And, and I'm okay with that. Um, Absolutely. So, and then Harden, you know, he's playing himself back in shape. Because I tell you what, mm-hmm. when he, he started the season. <laughs> oh there, Lord, he, that
1: boy was blown up. Oh Lord, that man I was sick. Hey, Lala, Now we we are Wizards fans. Now we we kind of know about that because John Wall used to do that.
0: <laughs> yes, he would.
1: John yes, he used would. to come in bloated, yeah. bloated. Yes. And then he just play himself in the shape. Now, I don't know where James got all, you know, extra big like that because you know the clubs is closed. <laughs> so I don't know where he got big at. He, got but he came in there. He came in there big. He he
0: was he was he was real big. I mean, they were clowning him real hard when he first started
1: playing. <laughs> oh man, but. Yeah, um, I, I'm thinking, though, again, you know, with this situation with COVID and everything, I, I do wonder if by the time we get to maybe the finals,
0: mm-hmm. there may
1: be fans in the stands because the finals is around June, I believe, right?
0: I, I literally just saw an article yesterday saying that the NBA is looking to have fans in the stands in April.
1: hmm Mm. So we're in April.
0: So uh, I don't know whether, again, they have to follow the protocols for the states that they're in. But I mean, mostly all the states are, you know, open to, you Mm -hmm. know, again, you still have to wear your mask. You still have to wear your mask. Uh, You still, you know, can't have your mask off. You can only take it off when you're eating and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, by the playoffs for sure, I think we're going to see you know, 75% to a full full house. they trying to make that money back.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, um, actually um, some of the New York baseball teams have actually come out with a um, actual access passport where you have to actually show either a, a negative COVID test recently or um, full vaccination. I like that. Um, I yeah, like I it. do too. And um, I believe the Nets have said that they are also going to start implementing that as well. So I think the way that they're going to be able to do that and to bring fans Mm -hmm. back and have fans feel, you know, safe is to do it that way, do having a passport access passport, you know, showing that you're fully vaccinated and, you know, everything like that. So, you know, Hey, you know, we can, we can use a way for people to feel comfortable because I don't know about you, but you know, Even if we're on the path, both of us have gotten a shot and we're on the path of of being fully vaccinated by May 1st. For sure. Um, I don't know about you, but I still will have some hesitancy about large indoor events like basketball and having that passport kind of eases me a little bit. How do you feel about it?
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, trust me, if we had a team, if the Wizards were actually a playoff team and we were go- you had the opportunity to go to a Wizards playoff game mm-hmm. and see our team play against, you know, a good opponent mm-hmm. a- and I've been vac- vaccinated, uh, mm-hmm. yes, I would definitely... Uh, want to go into the stadium, again, they're Mm -hmm. not going to have it so that you can, they're not going to be, you know, having the kiss cam and all that stuff anymore. Um, But I think that the leagues, the different leagues across the the country are understanding that you have to have thought leaders in your organization, thinking Mm -hmm. about ways that you can keep your fans safe, but also continue to, you know, bring in revenue I think Mm -hmm. for so long, these owners just thought about the bottom line and just not coming up with action plans on how to get to where they want to be. So I'm I'm excited about that. I think the NBA, out of all the leagues, they are they have led the way as far as Mm -hmm. um, how to approach this COVID. I mean, they were the first league to have a bubble. And yep. to have a full season, they were the first league to have a full season, really mm-hmm. had very little players impacted by COVID. So hats Absolutely. off to the NBA.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, like we were saying early in the podcast, they are encouraging teams to vaccinate their players. So, exactly. you know, again, they're at that. They're at the lead here of the sports leagues in the public health um, sector of things. So shout out to the NBA. Um, now to the NFL. And the Washington football team. As you can hear, the great glee in my voice (laughs) talking about the Washington football team.
0: Well, the Washington Uh, football team, soon to be named the Washington football team.
1: Oh, yeah. They decided (laughs) that we're going to stay with the default team name for another year.
0: Now, do you find that just lazy or indecisive? What the hell?
1: Uh, It's called money. And Dan Snyder loves money. And it costs money to copyright a new name. Oh, my God. So you're going to be that cheap? Okay. Washington football team it is. <laughs> yeah. So I guess their biggest free agency get this year next to uh, Emmanuel Sanders – or who was it? Next to the uh, receiver, Samuels, mm-hmm. from uh, from uh, Carolina, was Fitzpatrick, the quarterback. <laughs> Well, how do you, fe- Fitz, how you feel about this? How do you feel
0: about old, it? Oh, oh, Fitzie, I tell you, every team that he has played on, he has created a spark um, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season. Every team for the past four or five years that he started, the team has started off hot, but mm-hmm. uh, but there's a trend with Fitzpatrick. Um, he starts off hot, but then he flames out. He yep. throws a lot of touchdowns, but then. He'll throw an interception. So in one hand, I'm excited because it looks like we might actually get a couple wins because he airs it out. You need somebody that's comfortable. He's a professional NFL quarterback. In that regard, I'm excited. I kind of wish he was on the team last year because I really think that we would have beaten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs. Yep, Yep.
1: absolutely. Um,
0: But my man came in here saying that he's going to be the starter, and I heard yesterday that the coach just co-signed on that. Wow. Did you hear that? Yes. Wow, I, I did Fitz not. Fitzpatrick yesterday was named the starter for the Washington football team, and but everyone will compete. That, that, oh, okay. That, oh, that. okay.
1: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he's been named
0: starter, but they'll com- he'll compete to keep that job.
1: <laughs> Got you. Got you. Well, it's, is, you know, anytime that you have a playoff team that, you know, you have to go to a guy like Fitzpatrick as the quarterback – yeah, there's some concern about that. Um, well, I did – no, go ahead.
0: Well, you know, they're sort of in that in-between stage. They have you such are. a good defense that you got to – you can't tank. You can't really be – uh, you, you, you can't feel like you're sort of um, starting over. You've got a you're really right. solid defense, and you've yes. got to do what you can to improve until you find that quarterback. Absolutely. And, and so – um, you know, I think Fitzpatrick, I I, I mean, if we would have had him last year again, we probably would have made it to the second or third round of playoffs.
1: I agree. And I, I think one thing that this may signal is uh, Washington may look at a quarterback in the draft later than the first round. I've seen some drafts that say um, we're actually looking at Kellen Mond from Texas A&M and around the second or third round. Um that the Fitzpatrick pick feels like to me how they did with Miami last year. You get in Fitzpatrick, you have him start games so that the young guy behind him can learn. And then you bridge the young guy in and bench Fitzpatrick. That's what it feels like to me. How, how do you feel about it?
0: Well, I think it's I think it's possible, but then you're going to have what five quarterbacks on the team? So now you have Ryan Fitzpatrick as the number mm-hmm. one quarterback. Mm-hmm. You just signed Taylor Heineke to mm-hmm. a two-year, pretty decent contract. Kyle Allen has like a two or three-year contract, mm-hmm.
1: right? Mm-hmm. And
0: I heard someone say that Danny Warfall might be coming back to the. Oh, lala! I swear, I swear
1: to you, I thought
0: he was. I, I tell
1: you, wow! So we are gonna have five quarterbacks in camp, I guess. I guess, but I don't know. When I tell I'll, I'll you, lie.
0: I'm like, how did he sneak in? How did he sneak in there? <laughs> <sighs> oh! So I guess with Alex Smith gone, I mean the fact that they dragged out Alex Smith, God bless, God bless him. But I'm glad they didn't bring him back. Honestly,
1: me too. I I was scared for him. Wait. Right. I was scared for him, especially, I don't know if you remember this, but the first game he came back was against the Rams. And he had a drop back where it was one of those drop backs where you take, like, two steps back on the drop back and the defensive tackle was immediately in your face because we don't have a line. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, uh, what's his name, the defensive tackle for the, uh, for the Rams. Um, oh, Donald? Yeah, Aaron Donald jumped on his back. Now this is a man that broke his leg in half like two years ago. Wow. I was so scared when I saw that. Wow. I was yeah. like, yo, I, every time he got hit, I held my breath.
0: Yeah, that's scary. No. Yeah, me too.
1: Every time. So And then the fact another, that he
0: could yo, and the fact that he couldn't play the last two games tells you he he mm-hmm. was never healthy.
1: Yes. Yep. He was still trying to, he was still battling through that. He was actually having calf issues. So it was probably around, you know, him putting pressure on that leg that he broke because he was having issues with the calf. So, yeah. Um, But on another note, um, Daniel Snyder is about to be almost, I believe, the full owner of the Washington football team. Um, Daniel Snyder is uh, if you haven't seen um, Daniel Snyder has been in a back and forth battle with minority share owners of the team um, about the around the name, around his actions uh, with uh, cheerleaders um, and things of that nature. A lot of those minority share owners didn't want to be associated with Daniel Snyder. After all those revelations, Um, Daniel Snyder at first wanted to uh, legally fight to keep those minority share owners on. He didn't want to allow the share owners to sell their shares to somebody else. So recently, there was a a legal decision that will allow Daniel Snyder to actually buy those shares to become basically the full principal owner of the Washington football team. How do you feel about that, Mom?
0: I mean, like many fans, you know, we wish that that things at, at, at we wish that Daniel Snyder would sell the team and let someone who really, really.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, is passionate about football knows how to run an organization would buy it. But the reality is to all the Washington football team fans is that Daniel Snyder is the the, the owner and he's going to be the owner and that this team is going to be in his family for generations to come. So I think that this buyout shows that. And Mm -hmm. just, just to let you know, this could not have happened without the uh, NFL owners Uh, Agreeing to it it's that talking about an old boys network the nfl is just that because this should not have been permitted to happen but they are a close organization um group of you know group of uh individual owners and they stand behind each other and daniel snyder has been the owner for over 20 years and they got his back so it looks like he's here to stay
1: yeah. And the funny thing about it is, is that Daniel Snyder is actually under uh, NFL investigation for um, sexual harassment and sexual assault of cheerleaders at the team. And, and during that time, the owners, even with the investigation that the NFL is having, felt OK to allow this to happen. That, well, that, that, that until they something. come
0: out, they must have said, Danny, is there any photos? Any exactly. photos? No photos? Okay, we got you back, Danny. Because, mm-hmm. trust me, they did their... There's been an internal investigation with the NFL, and it's not that they wanted to see exactly whether something was wrong. They were trying to see what exposure the other owners yeah. might have and what yeah. impact it would have to the dollar or the bottom line of the Washington football team. They recognized yeah. that this this is a, a, a money train. It's going to keep on going, and so they're not going to do anything to make Daniel Snyder have to sell this team because they think it might affect the bottom line.
1: Absolutely. And I'll tell you one thing the I think part of the reason why the owners are trying to stick with Dan is because they know that the next guy that comes in may be somebody that they don't want in the, 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 the good old boy network. They can't get that not- automatic vote. That's right. Yep. And it feels like to them, it feels like they don't want a guy in there that they know has more money than them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's if that's y'all, a good
0: point. That's a good point.
1: Because if y'all don't know, there has been rumors that Jeff Bezos is, has been oh, talking yeah. to Dan Snyder to buy the team. Yeah. Because if, again, if y'all don't know, Jeff Bezos actually lives part-time in the Washington area. He actually lives in Washington, D.C. Amazon has a headquarters in the D.C. area. Uh, And he has expressed uh, several times that he wants to purchase an NFL team. At one point, he wanted to buy the Seattle Seahawks. Now, with Dan Snyder, with his his back on the ropes with the situation, has been – openly saying he will be willing to buy the Washington football team. So I wonder if there's some jealousy that could be having here that is saving Dan Snyder, that the owners don't want somebody like Jeff Bezos, who got that real money, Mm -hmm. who got that real, real money being in that group, because he has a lot of power if he does. Mm -hmm.
0: I agree. I agree. All right. Well, that takes us to our last segment. Yes, who yes. Who is not invited to the cookout? This is our segment each week where we talk about what's going on and, uh, in, in the world. We give you a little commentary on uh, who would not be invited to our cookout. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor, who do you have?
1: Well, so who is not going to be invited to the cookout this week? And I'm sure he's probably going to get a second look from the uh, mothers when he comes on his recruiting trips to talk to their sons, is Creighton coach Greg McDermott. Uh, I don't know if y'all heard about this story, but on February the 27th, after the emotional loss uh, on the road, Coach McDermott uh, addressed his players and his staff in the locker room, and he said, specifically, he said that, guys, we need to stick together We need both feet in. I need everybody to stay on the plantation. This was in the locker room after a game that they lost to a team that is predominantly Black. You're saying to them, stay on the plantation. Now, where in the world, Mr. McDermott, Coach McDermott, why did you use the term plantation?
0: Why? These coaches are out of touch. They don't have any sense of history. They don't know their players. And that's why, in my opinion, he felt that it was okay to say that. In his mind, he he didn't even know. He probably didn't know why when when he when he looked up, the players were looking at
1: him side eye. I just how can you not understand that using the term plantation might not be good when seventy-five percent of your players are black? Maybe that shouldn't be a term that you use. But you know what? After that, Creighton did lose in the Sweet 16 by a whole lot. Of <laughs> <Gonzaga>. <laughs> and I'm sure that the Gonzaga players read Coach McDermott's statement before that. So as, as a, a, a fact of that and as a result of that, Greg McDermott, you will not be invited to the cookout this year matter of fact you will not be invited to the cookout at all at any time in the foreseeable future thank you sir but we do have a segment a part of the segment where we do invite somebody to the cookout so let me do that go ahead Uh, so who is invited to the cookout is dr chantel brown from richmond virginia dr brown is a native of richmond uh, she pursued her studies, her undergraduate studies, and her doctorate in pharmacy degree at HU Howard University. Um, in April 2019, uh, Dr. Brown opened her own independently owned pharmacy named Hope Pharmacy in the Churchill neighborhood of Richmond, Virginia. Um, if you If you don't know, uh, the Churchill neighborhood is a predominantly black and Latino neighborhood. Um, it is a lower income area of uh, Richmond um and has a need for um you know things like pharmacies hospitals and things like that um and Dr. Brown is is providing that in that local area um and not only is she bringing awareness um and education um and the actual supply of medication directly to that area um but she's also providing um, education and the COVID vaccine to people in that area uh actually my mother was uh, lucky enough to meet Dr. Brown and was able to get her COVID vaccine at the Hope Pharmacy um, so absolutely All um, right. Dr. Brown is, is, is invited to the cookout and will always be uh, uh, invited to the cookout
0: Yes, Dr. Brown just come on through just let us know, do you want sweet tea or lemonade?
1: We'll provide we'll provide both for you
0: That's right Absolutely Well, let me tell you one person that I would also be inviting to the cookout. This week, the leadership at the MLB Major League Baseball is getting an invitation to the cookout for moving the all-star game from Atlanta in wake of Georgia, passing its restrictive voting laws. I mean, for them to come out and say that Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans, Mm. and opposes restrictions to the ballot box. Kudos to Major League uh, Baseball. You are definitely invited to the cookout.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Shout out to the MLB for doing that. And now, you know, especially for the, their fan base, some of the fan base, they probably made them mad by doing that. But you yep. know what? They did the right thing. And I uh, applaud them for doing that. Absolutely. And that's the end of our show Microphone check family If you haven't done so already Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify Apple Podcasts Or anywhere where podcasts are distributed Specifically on Apple Podcasts Please, please, please Give us a 5 star rating And leave us a comment Providing a 5 star rating And a comment Gives us more exposure To grow this DMV microphone check family So again Thank you for listening to this episode Be on the lookout for a new episode next week and every week. And with that, thank you, DMV family. We are out. Peace.